Cheeky with God. Today we're talking about abortion. I'll just say quickly that there is so much to talk about with abortion and we are not going to be able to get to everything. Please let us know what we've forgotten, but we are working within the framing of religion and abortion generally, specifically more with Judaism when we're talking about religion and we're really excited to get into talking about it. Hi, I'm Madison. She, her pronouns. That's me. Do you oh, want to introduce yourself, Kayla? I'm pronouns. I'm Alana. I use she and they pronouns, and I am half of making benches. I'm Jessie. I use she, her pronouns. Do you want to do a quick Yomashoa acknowledgement? Yes. So we want to take a moment to acknowledge that today is Yom HaShoah, which is the day of remembrance for specifically Jewish victims of the Holocaust and make space for the fact that it's something we are sitting with today and for anybody who is commemorating lost life or the Holocaust more generally today, we are sending you our love and strength. So let's just get started. And so I'm pulling this specific definition of abortion or in parentheses termination of pregnancy from Harvard Health. And they state that abortion is the removal of pregnancy tissue, products of conception, or the fetus and placenta from the uterus. In general, the terms fetus and placenta are used after eight weeks of pregnancy tissue and products of conception refer to tissue produced by the union of an egg and a sperm. Terms for abortion might include elective abortion, induced abortion, termination of pregnancy, and therapeutic abortion. So just grounding us in that definition that abortion is just simply a medical process and it's just the termination of a pregnancy. I also wanted to give background just on what the legality is around abortion in the United States because that is frequently debated especially recently. For folks who maybe don't know Roe v. Wade is the Supreme Court decision in which the court ruled that the Constitution protects a pregnant a pregnant woman or birthing person's liberty to choose to have an abortion without excessive government restriction. And so when this decision happened, it was like super radical and struck down a lot of U.S. federal and state abortion laws. However, since Roe v. Wade, there have been a lot of like state level reversal or backtracking on this that the Supreme Court has stated birthing people. As I'm saying birthing people, I'll use that time to make a quick note on language. We're going to do our best to use the term birthing people when we're talking about people who can get abortions instead of women because not just cis women get, can get pregnant and can have abortions and reproductive justice applies to all birthing people and all people who can be parents. So just want to ground us in that language. In terms of our current climate, there is no way I could give an overview on how bad things are, but... Things are not doing great in the last few years, re where we're at in our country's legal action in regards to abortion. And just before our session, actually, breaking news from the Getting Cheeky with God session, Oklahoma Senate approved a bill to outlaw abortion entirely as soon as the governor signs it into law, which puts Oklahoma on track to be the first state in the country to enact a total abortion ban. 
So this is like literally all out abortion ban. And this would be the first one to take effect in the United States since Roe v. Wade. It goes even farther than like the restrictive laws passed by Texas last year. With that in mind, that's really heavy and really scary, especially for people who are currently in Oklahoma. And I know all of us are coming to this context as people who live in New York, where there are restrictions everywhere, but far less restrictive than places like Oklahoma or Texas. And yeah, as of April 14th, there have been 536 restrictions introduced in 42 states and 33 different restrictions have been enacted in nine different states. And so I'm not going to go through the rest of the stats because at this point it doesn't really matter. I just want to acknowledge that like this is a very present issue and it's like actively impacting people's livelihoods and bodies as we speak. And so wanting to make sure that just ground us in where we're at right now. I also wanted to just ground us in reproductive justice because abortion is a reproductive justice issue and a reproductive justice right. So for folks who don't know what reproductive justice is, this is like basically terminology talking about the rights that people who can give birth have. This was created by Black women centered in radical Black feminist politics So just centering all of the Black feminists who have really been at the forefront of doing the, like, radical activism around reproductive justice. The three principles of reproductive justice are the right to have a child and the right to parent with dignity or in a safe and healthy environment. And so when we're talking about abortion, we're talking about the violation of the second principle of reproductive justice, which is the right to not have a child. And when we remove access to abortions on a legal level or when we simply just make abortions really difficult to access or put restrictions around it, when we make abortions difficult to access for birthing people who are incarcerated, when we make abortions difficult to access for queer, trans, gender nonconforming folks, like this is all in violation of the second principle of reproductive justice. So just wanting to ground our conversation in reproductive justice and When we put out our little resources list over the weekend, there are a bunch of really cool resources on reproductive justice. Just want to shout out Loretta Ross, who has done a lot of the work on reproductive justice and suggest that everyone like think about how we can incorporate reproductive justice into our own politics because it's really connected to to everything. I think that is the briefest overview of those things that I could have given. I'm going to pass it to Mad and or Kaylin to talk about like religion and abortion and how that. Yes, I am talking about an article, not all religious people oppose abortion. And it was really interesting to read as a non-Jewish person too, like learning about how pro-choice and reproductive rights is so central to the Jewish faith. And much like our conversation around pleasure and Judaism, it's not common among other religions to do this, which is why for me, it was like really radical and cool to learn about like how we always talk about these things of, I don't know, I don't know if conservative is the word, but more, yeah, conservative things or like conservative ideals aren't inherently religious or connected to religious ideology. Specifically a statistic, the latest Pew Religious Study in 2014 found that 83% of Jewish people surveyed supported legal abortion, and that was more than any other religious group surveyed. And then there, a rabbi, Rabbi David M. Thalmond in 1983, 
he was a part of the conservative movement for Judaism back in 1983. He discussed how the pregnant person's welfare comes first and how, I'm sure Jesse will talk about it too, but essentially the person who is pregnant is known versus the child is unknown. So the pregnant, the birthing person, their, their life, their welfare comes first. Yes, that is everything from me on that note. Yeah, and then also too, I feel like a lot of abortion talk is so linked with typically anti-abortion talk being linked with Christianity and the Christian religion, mm-hmm. like Christians and Catholics and people within those religions, like having those suburbs of people being like, and like talking what you were mentioning about language earlier, like this idea, there's also like a language shift that I've seen recently of like pro-choice becoming like I'm pro-abortion to help destigmatize like abortion still being a valid choice regardless of any caveats but we were talking a little bit earlier <laughs> before this too about one thing about abortions and thinking about like resources that i grew up went to college around this like cri- pregnancy crisis center i feel like and that was very linked to christian christian messaging which was if you're someone that is very religious and looking for a religious option to help you with your if you're like i want to get an abortion this is a very dangerous thing to do because you're talking about crisis pregnancy centers being like a place where you can't actually get an abortion and it's just a place for misinformation that uses a lot of religious rhetoric typically like christian rhetoric to dissuade people from accessing an abortion and getting an abortion and yeah we just thought that was something that was like of note to be like aware of and looking into as we'll touch on like resources later but just being aware of like where you're going for resources and there are ways to have religion and abortion interact in a way that's like actually provided you with an abortion if that's your choice. I don't want to centralize anything like because when we were talking I was thinking about how so much of the anti-choice rhetoric is grounded in Christianity and a lot of Christian principles but also wanting to highlight that there are plenty of Christian Catholic folks who are like pro-choice, pro-abortion, the same way that even though Judaism as a faith might be the more abortion-friendly religion, there are plenty of Jewish people who I'm sure would also be anti-choice. So just acknowledging that because I don't want it to be like a Christianity is bad and all Christians are against abortion because as we know, that's obviously not the case either. Yes, I just wanted to comment quickly that I did see there like a Jewish pro-life Facebook group, podcast, like it is out there. We do not all organize around religion. As we know, there are very different political groupings within religion. All right, I can talk about Judaism, what Judaism specifically says about abortion more. It, I would love to say that Judaism explicitly says in the Torah, get an abortion whenever you want, but that is not <laughs> what it says. However, as Matt pointed out, it is more, I guess, liberal with opportunities for abortion or for induced abortion when necessary and so the concept comes from exodus in the torah 21 22 where it says that if a pregnant person is struck and as a result loses the pregnancy then compensation is is owed to them which is different than injuries or murder in the bible because the bible would say then that if you murder somebody you yourself have to be executed. The reason that this gives some wiggle room is that because the pregnancy is not considered equal to an adult human life, that means that abortion is not specifically outlawed. Another element within Judaism, within halakha, which is the Jewish law, says that until 40 days 
pregnancy is considered to have the legal standing of water or to be considered part of the birthing person's thigh. And so this also reinforces that fetus does not have legal standing as a human being fully formed at all in the Jewish legal world. And I just want to take this moment to note that legality is not the same as ethics. And just because a fetus would have the legal standing of water <clears throat> doesn't mean that ethically Jews don't believe in fetuses being potentially, because there's a whole diversion here, which is how the Jewish pro-life movement starts, is that fetuses have rights. It, there's a whole way you could go with that. So just because halakha says one thing doesn't mean people don't interpret it ethically differently. Another moment that is specifically outlined as to promoting the rights of the birthing person instead of the rights of the fetus is that Rashi says that life begins when the head emerges from the birth canal. And so this explains that until the point that the head emerges, when the nefesh, when the soul is breathed into the baby, that it is not a person, so to speak. So therefore, it, the person who is birthing still has the right to life, whereas the fetus is considered to be something that could be pursuing this person's life, which leads me to one of the last kind of places where abortion can be discussed, which is when fleeing a rodef. And this could be translated as a pursuer or somebody who has come into your home unexpectedly. In the case of a rodef within halakha, if somebody enters your home in the middle of the night, you can assume that they have poor intent and that they're going to hurt you and you have a right to hurt them before they hurt you. And while this is, that could be debated by itself of the ethics of that, <laughs> the, trans, the way it's been interpreted is that fetuses when causing harm to the birthing person and when threatening the life of the birthing person could be considered a rodef. And then in that case, you have to remove the harm before it, it kills the person. All overall, as what Nad said, Judaism prioritizes the birther's experience and does not prioritize the partner's experience. So in an attempt to potentially avoid abuse of this or to avoid non-consensual decisions to be made on behalf of the birther when the birther cannot make the choice, the point is that the birther should be prioritized. I think that was all that I had really quickly. Once again, I know I'm leaving out a bunch of things, but that is generally the Jewish case for abortion. I know Rabbi Danya has a whole thread and I know it was cited in our notes, but I want to try and find the link to the actual thread where she, like, has everything. We have an article written by her. Yeah, I, I think, think that's the one where she runs through everything or gives the full case. For me, too, it's really interesting, like, the way that you're describing it or the way that it's actually written in the Torah, like, makes so much more sense to me than, I guess, the way... It, to me, it's just so straightforward, like, it's so person-centered very straightforward applies to real life then I don't know I don't know I just think it's really weird how politicized religious words can be and like adding all these things in it went to me what you just said made perfect sense <laughs> not to extend yeah. this portion longer but what you're talking about there's a Greek translation of this section which implies like where it says if the person loses the pregnancy and no further harm is done to that person, then you just pay for like the compensation, like whatever the amount of shekels would be. But the further harm done to, like part has been interpreted to be like further harm done to the fetus. And that's like uh, where the Christian mindset goes off sometimes uh -huh. with, oh, they're harming the fetus because of, but oh, keeping us really on our time track. Yeah. Thank you for adding that. Yeah, I think that's really 
that's important. I also think we're doing excellent on time, and this is the core of what we're talking about. So this is important. Thanks, Jesse, for illuminating the very like Jewish and Torah-oriented side of things. I also think it's important to know, and I will say I am a Jewish person, and I don't know much about the New Testament, but like to my knowledge, there is nothing in the New Testament that explicitly is like abortions are bad and wrong and you can't have them. A lot of that is just grounded in like misinterpretation of scripture. And I think that if you talk to any radical or queer or feminist like Christian theologians, they would argue that being anti-choice goes against Christian teaching. So just also want to sprinkle that in there that everything is so connected to how we interpret things but it is very specific and cool that the jewish interpretation has for so long been more in favor of choice of the birthing person i wish i could honestly dredge up her educative education things i was given in all throughout catholic school of what i was taught on abortion or obviously we had not obviously but we had like deep like script scripture readings of the bible and like analyses and i swear to god i can't remember anything (laughs) that they would have said that would have swayed me one way just fully blocked it out (laughs) nothing comes to mind so yeah i wish i had some sort of anecdote for that but i'm sure it wasn't great (laughs) i do know that the part where it says to adam be fruitful and multiply has been used i read Mm. one rabbi's interpretation that was like we fulfilled the mitzvah look at the world the world is full and it didn't say be jewish and multiply like it was like just to adam multiply so i don't know if that is used i've never attended catholic school obviously but i know that's a shared shared source for our religion (laughs) we also wanted to like just the same with menstruation and talking about sexual health and sexual education in general like I think such an important part of that is just destigmatizing and taking the taboo of talking publicly about our experiences out of it by just simply talking publicly with each other about our experiences. And so, yeah, I think we just wanted to open up the space so that we could have more open and honest conversations about our own experiences with abortion or reproductive processes i know that that taboo feels so strong but as we know like so many birthing people have abortions or have miscarriages or have very specific interactions with reproduction i'm just thinking about when i was maybe in high school and i don't even remember how this conversation came up but i was in the car with my mom maybe i asked her if she had an abortion or something and she was like yeah, like I was with someone before I met your dad and got pregnant and we didn't want a kid and I wasn't ready to have a kid. So I had an abortion and I was like, oh, like I wouldn't have known that. How if you old had did it. you say you were, Alana? I was in high school. I was in high okay. school. But it just being one of those things that it's just if I hadn't said anything, I don't know that I would have ever known that about her or that had ever happened. And yeah, also thinking about I wish I knew more about what her experience was like with that. But it was just like a... Yes, I did that. It's an option for you. And moving on from that. I would I say know. that it's, it's interesting. I would agree that women in my family are like very okay talking about their experience with abortion, but only when explicitly asked. Mm-hmm. Not something that they use in a way that I think is could be really helpful like in adolescence and just understanding what is and isn't okay for me to do with my body but I think that yeah it's definitely something that that only they feel needs to be brought up when prompted I I had only heard like horror stories about abortions where people 
nearly bled out to death or it was like clotting or awful things i had never had i had heard like that people got them but i had never heard a an experience in which it was beneficial positive okay it was just like always traumatic and i think that's what made it really hard one of the things that made it really hard for me to ever talk about my abortion i'm saying that right now because it's the first time i've ever spoken about it outside of a therapy setting or a family setting which is crazy to me because i'm someone who does not think believe in repressing experiences for the comfort of other people but i in my family there has been fertility issues with every generation and it felt shameful and like wrong and that I was the like different from everybody else who had come before me who had these issues and like I was the opposite I was rejecting something that was like a gift to other people like I used every I weaponized every stereotype about birthing and having a baby that I could against myself and genuinely did not know that there was all of this waiting for me in Judaism to comfort me and to reassure me that there were people who had done this before and it was okay and it wasn't the end of the world like I didn't know any of that I was not a part of the Jewish community really at the time it was really traumatic um so I would have really benefited from hearing at least that people got abortions and their lives went on and it was okay and not this like fear trauma which is a real part of abortion history that like people did bleed out on tables and people did leave with things hanging out of them and never being able to give birth and never being able to do regular biological processes again and that is really scary but once again if that's all like that's not enough to just know that part of the history i think and it's like that like that happened because of all like the restrictions too that's what happens when it's like you have unsafe access to abortion and it's like adds like this fear and yeah that's exactly what I was gonna highlight Caitlin it's just about so many of these horror stories that we like are passed to us about abortions are like because of abortions having to be done in like underground ways or unsafe ways or because it like yeah like wasn't supposed to be happening and so that's why it's so important I think for us to talk about like experiences where yeah I had abortion it was totally fine and I was okay and like I didn't bleed out and die and like it like because of the fact that I was able to access it so easily where I am and it's also I think important to highlight that like for some people who get abortions like there is like a grief associated with that and there is it's not like I also had an abortion like for me it was okay whatever um because it just I didn't have a connection there but like for some people it's like really heavy and like that grief is justified and should be able to exist even if you're making a choice not to bring a child into the world I also just wanted to like thank you Jesse for your vulnerability I think that's a really big deal especially hearing that like this is the first time that you're sharing publicly about it so thanks for being open with us in this space and for your bravery and all of that think it's important for us to share these conversations with each other um and I'm just thinking about how like the spaces that we interact with and like our communities matter so much for like how these experiences go and I think if I was part of a different community my experience might have been like very different I'm friends with so many people who are like very like knowledgeable about reproductive justice and like sexual education and like very open and us talking about like sex and sexuality and so like when 
I got pregnant, I was sort of like, oh, shit. And, like, I could just talk to all the people I was close to about it and be like, what's happening here? And, like, really rely on my community to, like, figure things out with me. But, yeah, just acknowledging that, like, it is alienating and I don't think it's a process we talk about enough. And, like, it can be, like, like scary to go to Planned Parenthood and not know what's going on at all and have to go multiple times and be like, I don't know what's happening and I don't know what's happening in my body. And I personally ended up having a miscarriage, so I never had an actual abortion, but I had to go to Planned Parenthood like three separate times in like the course of two days to like be sure that there like still wasn't any like fetus matter or whatever, like cells inside me because it was very early. But yeah, just thinking about how like the lack of information that even I as someone who like am pretty educated on like sex education and like reproduction, like how little I still knew about it and how scary so many parts of that still were, like even as someone who had access to a really supportive community and like a lot of information on resources and was able to just call Planned Parenthood and make an appointment. And so thinking about how much scarier that is for people who don't have that community, don't have those resources, and also are then like placed with all of these restrictions on actually being able to just simply go somewhere and talk to someone about it and potentially access it. So I don't know. That's just like really horrifying to think about. Yeah. I feel thank like... you for your vulnerability. Yeah. Thank you both. <laughs> Make sure it got said. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, we love vulnerability. I was just gonna say I agree with a lot of a lot. I think like growing up at least, my I heard that my mom had an abortion through my sister, but again, I wouldn't have asked. But I think what helped was knowing that, especially with my sister and my dad, there was just this no this notion of like, well, your life like if you don't want to have a kid and you happen to get pregnant, an abortion is fine. That's an option. Yeah. But just felt nice like thinking about like how much that was just like, ingrained in a sense that I didn't really think about that as like, a, oh, like, what would it be like to not consider that as like an immediate option as someone that doesn't want kids. But yeah, I think that the idea of building a community of people or like building, starting with building your own like resources, like sharing them with your friends and talking about it with your friends or your family is like so crucial. Yeah, especially now as we're having so much really intense backtracking yeah and just acknowledging that all of these issues are so much more exacerbated based on your identity and the most marginalized birthing people are always going to face the most violence and harm from these restrictions and so yeah just wanting to remind us of that like jesse and i are two white birthing people and so like our experiences even are so different than like plenty of other folks could be and are the time talking about like grief though around abortions i wanted mad to share about abortion doulas yeah thank you yeah i just wanted to talk about it super quickly just because i had never known that they existed until now and they make so much sense they exist not just for birth but they also there is also abortion doulas for death as well. And that's how you really start to understand abortion as a life processes and doulas are there to help people through life processes. So in addition to that, I think they can help in two ways. They help with the emotional support that Alana touched on, but also they help birthing people if they need to find accessibility for where to get an abortion and finding a provider and linking them to care and things like that. So it is, I appreciate all 
public health interventions that consider the whole person, like what they're going through emotionally, spiritually, and then also, but in real, in a real sense, how are we systematically going to give you access to those things that you deserve? So that's why I think that they're awesome. We're going to have, that's going to be a part of our resources is a Bertha directory. So looking forward to giving y'all access to that as well. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. I think that's super. And also, like, for folks who don't know what doulas are, yes. uh, because there is, like, <laughs> such a lack of information around what a doula does and who, like, what a doula's role is. And as Mad mentioned, like, I think that when we think about doulas, we're typically thinking about birthing doulas, but there are also death doulas and, as Mad shared, also abortion doulas. And doulas' roles obviously differ depending on the process that they're supporting during but it's real they're really just like a support and advocacy person like through the process and if you're interacting with the medical system can be there to advocate and support you during that and in the aftermath of it so especially mm-hmm. with birthing doula there they might be with you at the hospital during the birthing process and then are really important during like your postpartum and also are around for the prenatal process but it, they're not a midwife and they're not a doctor so they don't typically do the actual delivery of a baby. Thank you. Do we want to talk about the at-home access options? Yeah. Touching briefly on the abortion pill as well, and anyone feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that it really, was it always at home, or I think it might have been like because of COVID, they were giving it more at home all of a sudden. I'm not sure. But. <laughs> I think um, it was okay. an option, like a male. It was always an option. Uh, yeah uh, okay okay on college campuses I know it was super easy to get okay thank you so much yeah I think that the podcast I was listening to you about it was in England so I think that it also differs legality wise versus here it's really important to have that at-home option considering that people can start to have the contraction and the release soon after they take it so if they're on their way home like it's way better for them to take it while they're at home so they can go through that and be in their own space and feel more comfortable. Also, something really important to know about the abortion pill is that it's very safe. It's safer than taking aspirin or getting your wisdom teeth removed. So I don't think that's something that people talk about enough as we were talking about the scary imagery that comes to mind of having an abortion. It's incredibly safe. And the reason that they draw an imagery or like pro-life or conservative groups draw on that imagery is because like they're creating those situations and that's not the case when you have accessible means to get the care that you deserve yeah i did the at-home pill so i can attest to that it is safe and i live and it's not going to (laughs) kill you that was everything for me though Yeah, and also, like, thinking about folks who are in states that have restrictions and, like, legislation against it, like, there are a lot of underground groups that are mailing the abortion pill, like, to folks in those states, and they're very easy access on the internet to, like, finding those options. I think we might have some of them in our resources sheet. And also thinking about other ways to induce abortions. There are ways to induce your own abortion. Like, if you don't have access, there are some resources we have on like herbal ways to induce your abortion or a abortion and just highlighting though that they do say that after 10 weeks like 
you should see a doctor and not be trying to induce an abortion yourself. But there are foods that you can eat. There are like certain herbs that you can turn into tea and drink. Like so many different herbal ways to engage with not wanting to be pregnant and like terminating that pregnancy that again people have been using herbalism as medicine for centuries and especially if you don't have access and you like want to try some of these options instead something to think about but yeah if you do have access probably go to a doctor if you can cool I feel like that's (laughs) everything that we had I feel like we did a good job staying on time we were we were worried about timing but yeah thanks for a very quick overview of all things abortion and Judaism and reproductive justice with making mentions and fucking the fine print I know our last session for now and we're going to be talking about circumcision or genital mutilation whatever terminology you want to use so we're very excited and we hope that y'all will join us for our very last session of the getting to do with god series bye